1: you know, your show is sort of about faith, but that was probably the biggest faith steps for us. We had to, you know, do we turn down the, you know, the full-time job with the car and the phone? Um, Do we turn down those kinds of jobs for the, you know, hey, come up here, you know, we'll love you and look after you, but we don't have anything to pay you. Like, do we take the volunteer job or do we take
0: the easy route? Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scatterbow. Our guest today
2: was described in a newspaper as a former youth pastor who became an accidental millionaire. We'll find out his story, and personally, I want to know, how can that kind of accident happen to me? That's what I want to know. Welcome to the program, (laughs) Cody Thompson. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. I love how they say it accidentally happened to you. It's, it's kind of like you were walking across the street and then, boom, this accident happened and you were a millionaire all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, that would be
1: a pretty amazing thing to happen if someone just sort of, uh you just get hit in the face with a briefcase full of money. That'd be pretty cool.
2: <laughs> okay, well, if, if you know anything about that, just uh, let me know about it. Definitely. But uh, apparently there was a little bit more to it in real life.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, it was it was awesome to get... Published in that article on news.com.au. I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for the opportunity. They, um, they published uh, my story out quite wide, which was pretty cool. But um, obviously, when they um, write those kind of articles, um, you know, they, they obviously want to get as many people reading it as possible. So they focus on the kinds of things that they want to focus on in the article to kind of get their point across.
2: Well, when you think about a millionaire, you think about beachfront properties, owning an airplane, and all that. Does that <laughs> right.
1: describe your life? No, not at all.
2: <laughs> I wish it did. Maybe if I had some
1: more, that'd be um, that'd be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind a private jet to fly around and go to my favorite places. But no, that's definitely not um, you know not the way it is for me. We um, obviously reinvest most of the money that we make. We reinvest it into building the business and um, you know trying to um, you know build for a better future. It's not something that I, I don't have a million dollars sitting in a bank account that I kind of just splash around. It's, um, it's you know, tied up in our assets and uh, investing it back in the business.
2: Well, if you do get all the beachfront properties and the <laughs> airplanes and all that, uh, just keep us posted.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll invite you along and, and I'll, I'll let you know how to get hit in the face with a briefcase
2: full of money. When oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for that service. <laughs> but seriously, let's go back to where it all started back in Victoria yep. in Bendigo.
1: Yeah, I grew up in, um, Bendigo, Victoria. It's a, um, small country town. If you've never been there, it's about a yep, hundred. Yep. I've been there. You've been there. Yeah. It's about a hundred thousand mm-hmm. people there. And so I, I, spent most of my, I was born there and then moved to, um, uh, Maryborough, which is, um, 10,000 people just, uh, 45 minutes outside of Bendigo. So I grew up in the small town of Maryborough. I went to school mm-hmm. there. And, uh, when I was, you know, about, uh, 13, when I was 12, I moved to Ballarat for a year and then 13 moved to Bendigo and spent, you know, most of my teenage, um, years there. I met my wife there, got married there, became a Christian there, and uh,
2: now I live on the Gold Coast. Yeah, let's find out. How did you become a Christian?
1: Yeah, well, I was, I was 16 when I became a Christian. Um, I did grow up going to church when I was a kid. Um, uh, my mum was taking me to church. My parents were divorced at the time, and so I would go to church with my mum when I was living at her house on the weekend. I would go to church with her. So mm-hmm. we kind of did that, but then, um, you know, during my teenage years, I kind of didn't have anything to do with God, really, and it was when I was 16 that um, I ended up in a church service, and uh, my dad actually dragged me along to church. He he wasn't a Christian at the time either, but he met his old football coach from when he was a kid. Um, his name's um Bruce Claridge, actually, um, and he was my dad's football coach in Wedderburn. And so he mm-hmm. ran into him down the street and um, told my dad that he was now a pastor and invited my dad to church, and my dad dragged me along, and I, I thought... Honestly, I thought that there was better things I should be doing on a Friday night than um, <laughs> going to Friday night church. But I ended up in a church service and yeah, I, I don't know, even know who the preacher was. But yeah, they were talking about Jesus and what he'd done for us. And, um, you know, it, it really, cha- you know, changed my life. I kind of just realized, um, as I was sitting in the, in that service that, you know, I, I really needed God and I, you know, wanted God in my life. And so at 16, I made, yeah, made the decision.
2: Okay. And then also during your teenage years, Unfortunately, a number of your friends committed suicide.
1: Yeah, um, unfortunately, um, you know, I'm sure it's it's um, a lot of people have similar stories that, you know, um, we had a few friends of ours commit suicide when I was younger, sort of early teenage years. Um, the first was sort of when I was in grade six. Um, it was a, a friend's older brother committed suicide and then they kind of, um, you know, can often lead to other suicides. So when, unfortunately, mm. when, you know, it happens in a school, often the sort of other
2: people follow down that same sort of tragic path. And did that influence you becoming a youth pastor?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I mean, it wasn't the only thing that influenced me to become a youth pastor. Um, my youth pastors influenced me to become a youth pastor, you know, the impact that they had on my life, but certainly fueled the fire, you know, for me to want young people to know that, you know, even when things seem hopeless, that's not the only way out, you know. And so mm-hmm. yeah. um, I was really sort of passionate about, you know, making a difference. And, you know, that's kind of what, you know, got me doing work in, in the schools. It was certainly what led me to um, becoming paid as a youth pastor and actually going into ministry full-time was, um, you know, the, the suicide of my friends sort of led me back into volunteering in the high schools. And then out of that, you know, people saw what I was doing and I got, you know, offered employment from that.
2: Well, this all sounds fantastic. You're really helping out young people. How do we go from you being a youth pastor to all of a sudden being an accidental millionaire? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's certainly not the way that I thought my life was
1: heading. You know, we'd had a lot of – um everyone thought that – I would take on a church one day and and maybe one day I will. I'm not sure. Um, I've just learned in my life that you just never really know what God's going to do. And sometimes you think you're going in one direction and then God does something else. And for Mm. me, I was a youth pastor, you know, doing that full time. And my heart was to keep doing that. I thought that, you know, that that's the direction of my life. I thought that one day I would take over a church or take on a church or, you know, become a lead pastor of a campus or something like that. But, you know, I'd done a degree in graphic design and um, so I did have that background sort of skill there um, and I was utilizing it in the church. I was doing like all the marketing for the church and doing fly design and all that kind of stuff. Um, as you would imagine working in a church, you kind of just, you know, your job's a pastor but you kind of like help out yeah. sort of any way yeah. that you can. So I was doing that and then... Basically, I was speaking at a conference um with a friend and Sarah and I had had this weird thing going on in our heart where we just sort of felt uncomfortable. We had this sort mm-hmm. of like um uncomfortable feeling that, you know, where we were right now in our life wasn't where God wanted us to be. And to be honest, I I, I really wrestled with whether I was sinning because I was working for the church and I started to feel like I didn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> and it sounds, mm. you know, it was really challenging because I was thinking to myself, like, like, do I have a bad attitude, you know, towards this, this church or, you know, what's going on? And it wasn't until I was speaking at a conference down in Adelaide and, and, a, and a friend of mine just gave me, gave me a prophetic word and just was like, um, you know, basically in a nutshell was like, Hey man, like I just, you know, I was praying for you, you know, while you were speaking and just felt like, you know, God was, um, telling me that he's he's going to shift you, you know. And he didn't even say geographically, but as soon as he said, God's going to shift you, I knew in my heart that we needed to leave Bendigo. And the strange thing was I came home and I, I came straight from the airport back into the office at church. And um, I, I walked into the office with Steve uh, Morrison, who was my senior pastor at the time. I sat in his office, and the first thing he said to me was um, he said, did Brad Otto offer you a job? Now, Brad Otto is the senior pastor of a church up here on the Gold Coast, and it was a very strange thing for him to ask straight off the bat. And I said, no, he he didn't offer me a job. You know, uh, why why do you ask that? Um, And he's like, oh, no reason. And I said, oh, I do have this sort of strange thing that's been going on, and I shared with him about how, Sarah and I had been feeling, and then I shared about the prophetic word that I'd had, and he said, "You know what? I was praying last week, and um, God told me that you need to move to the Gold Coast." And so it was crazy. So he, he, you know, God had spoken to him, you know, that he needed to release me, um, to to leave, and um, you know, and then God spoke to me
2: separately. Well, that was very unselfish of him.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most admirable things about him was yeah. that he was, um, very focused on building the kingdom and he was very focused on, you know, the people that, you know, were under him. He, you know, I really believe that he wanted the best for us and for the other people in the yeah. congregation. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, so basically I drove home. I hadn't even spoken to my wife about it at this point and I, I drove home and spoke to her and, you know, we made, basically made sense of what was going on and felt like, okay, so this is really happening you know um we feel like god's asking us to to shift out and um and so yeah so I, we went back to talk to steve and ended up uh, you know having some conversations with our national leaders at um for the apostolic church and we ended up getting offered, you know, a, a bunch of positions in different churches, um, around the nation. I, had been doing a lot of speaking at different churches. So some of those churches had already had me sort of minister at, you know, there before to their youth ministries or their Sunday, you know, Sunday services. So, so people kind of knew us a little bit. And so we got mm-hmm. offered a few yep. jobs, but you know, we, we ultimately knew where we needed to go. Um, unfortunately the Gold Coast was the only church that, um, you know, out of those churches that sort of you know, were interested in having us, you know, interview us and have us sort of maybe move there. Um, the Gold Coast had no money to pay us, so... Um,
2: oh, so kind of a good news, bad news situation.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it was just, you know, it was a, I know, you, you you know, your show is sort of about faith, but that was probably the biggest, you know, one of the biggest faith steps for us. We had to, you know, do we turn down the, you know, the full-time job with the car and the phone Um, Do we turn down those kinds of jobs for the, you know, hey, come up here, you know, we'll love you and look after you, but we don't have anything to pay you? Like, do we take the volunteer job or do we take the easy route?
2: Our guest today is Cody Thompson sharing his story. And as we've been hearing, he unintentionally started an extremely successful web design business while just trying to be a youth pastor. We'll find out what happened next in his life when we return right here. On real Faith. If this
0: program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadabo, and our guest today is accidental millionaire cody thompson or at least that's how he was described in a newspaper article the reality is that he unintentionally became extremely successful at his web design business while his main focus was on being a youth pastor he's sharing his story today and at this point he and his wife are trying to decide if they should move to the gold coast and take an unpaid position as a youth pastor Wow, well that must have been a very difficult decision to make because we all like to eat and everything. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) And we like to eat nice food too sometimes. Yeah, that's kind of nice too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it was challenging. Um, What I found in my life is that God gives you a grace to make those kinds of decisions that um, Mm -hmm. other people just don't understand. You know, I had a lot of people, even Christian people, you know, telling me that I was being irresponsible, you know, hey, you know, when, when you were single, you know, you could make these kinds of decisions, but you've got a wife now, you know, that relies on you. You, you know, you can't just sort of risk it all. We we didn't really have any. We had four thousand dollars in our bank account, you know, all of our savings. That was kind of the sum of everything that we owned, apart from like our car and our furniture.
2: Wow, you know. So, so this is really a leap of faith at this point.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I don't know. Looking back, it, it seems we made the decision quite easily. I know it sounds really strange, but. Like I said, God gives you the grace to make these kinds of decisions when other people don't understand. Like yeah, you know, our families didn't want us to leave because they all lived in Victoria, you know, so yeah. you know, there was opportunities to take on positions in Melbourne um that they would have much rather that we take on so that we would be close to them. But you just have to really you know, listen to people in your life that you really trust, and and people that have faith in God, and that that are going to back you. And the other thing for me is, honestly, I like to think in in life sometimes I like to think about like what's the worst case scenario. Like I literally mm-hmm. wrote down the worst case scenario. So he, the worst case scenario I could come up with was something like this: We move to the Gold Coast. Uh, neither of us yeah. can get jobs. My business doesn't work. Um, what I'm doing with the graphic design, nobody wants it. Nobody pays me. You know, so we we go to the Gold Coast. We run out of money. We can't get jobs. What's the worst thing that could happen is we sell everything that we have. We move back to Bendigo in with our family for a little while with our tails between our legs. And I beg for my job back at the church. <laughs> you know, what I mean, what, you know, that's, no, I mean, you could survive it. Yeah, that's what I mean. And it's like we talk about, you know, we look at that as a worst case scenario. And to be honest, like if that's the worst thing that happens in our life, like that's not really a big deal to me. So, but, but really you're a young couple now's the time to be adventurous. Totally. And I see so many people that don't want to take those risks. You know, they'd rather, you know, take the easy option. But, man, I just think, you know, even if that worst case scenario happened, it would be an amazing story to tell later on. And
2: apparently it turned out pretty nice.
1: It did, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the plan was that, you know, um, the sort of the conversations that we'd had with the church up here was, you know, hey, you know, we'd love to pay a youth pastor, you know, but right now this is where we're at. And, you know, we think you would fit in well here. You know, we'd look after you and Sarah. And, and, you know, we just knew it was where we needed to be. And so I had six months in Bendigo before. So we'd made the decision to move. Um, and then but we Sarah was on a contract as a teacher. So we had six months there. I had to finish out that contract. Um, and then while I, I had a couple of days free, um, so I was working three days a week at that point at the church, so I had two days a week. So in those two days, I basically started Design Fox. I just basically designed my own business cards and spent $250 printing out some business cards. And then I built my own website. Um, I learned it, all, <laughs> learned it all on YouTube um, and just sort of really? figured it out. And then I hit the streets and basically went – to, you know, door to door. I think I handed out, you know, 500 to 1000 business cards over the next sort of, you know, six months. And, um, you know, worked hard just trying to, you know, hit the street and get as much work as I could. And, you know, by the time we left, I had, you know, some clients and it really, you know, sort of went from there.
2: So at a certain point, after it took off, you had to decide, well, do I still keep doing this youth pastor thing?
1: Yeah, that was a really challenging, um, I, I'm really, I mean, the whole reason you were there was to do you the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the first year in business, um, just to give you an idea, um, the first year in business, I turned over like 110,000. So, um, it's, it's not like wow. a, you know, not a huge, um, you know, huge business at that point, but I'd certainly made more than a, you know, I was making probably like 25 grand <laughs> as three days a week working for the church or four days a week, uh, sorry, working for the church before. So to make that sort of the first year, um, it was quite successful and things were sort of starting to grow. But for two years or so, um, two or three years here on the Gold Coast, I was still the youth and young adults pastor and um, was running all those programs. But, yeah, there was a point where um, the business had sort of, you know, I had to make a decision on what sort of capacity I could sort of be be a part of serving in the local church. And for me, um, I just felt like, you know, God was sort of taking things in a different direction. And so now I'm still a huge part of the local church. I'm still one of the assistant pastor's at our church, I still volunteer, but um, I don't run any of the programs. So it's it's um it's it's a more informal role. I do a lot of preaching and you know meeting leading and stuff like that, but I don't have to run any of the programs. So it means that I'm you know I don't have to organize people. So yeah. the the time capacity that it takes to serve is not as as extensive as it was when I was sort of running the youth ministry.
2: So I imagine at some point you and your wife had to have a conversation with the Lord. You know hey Lord, we came here to serve you, but now all of a sudden, this business that you just started to kind of help you eat and pay the rent and all that takes off. Mm. What do you want me to do, Lord? Is that kind of what happened?
1: yeah, it was to be honest, it was really challenging because um I've been I think the culture that I'd been brought up in and, and to be honest, I think this culture is in a lot of Pentecostal churches. I can't speak for um, any other denominations, but certainly in my circles um it was kind of if you worked for the church you were doing some kind of like special ministry, but if you were like working outside of the church, it was kind of less important, you know? And Mm. I know, obviously, we understand biblically that that's just rubbish, but in my heart, that's what I felt, you know, that, and so, when when my business started to take off, and, and and honestly, it was a God thing, like the things that have happened in my business, like the success that it's had, you know, it's been through God's divine connection and His provision in my life. And I honestly, you know, honestly believe that. I could tell you so many stories about, you know, phone calls or people that I've met that have opened up doors that, you know, have, have taken the business to another level. And it's just been His hand of blessing. And thankfully, um... You know, Pastor Brad, um, Brad Otto, the senior pastor, um, at, um, Southland Christian Center where, where I'm a part of now. Thankfully, he's, you know, been really supportive of me and he's had to help me navigate that in my life because there was a lot of times where I would question that, like, God, I feel like I'm letting Brad down. I feel like I'm letting my church down because I know that there's issues in the church that I could fix or I could help, but, um, I just don't have the time and the capacity to do, yeah. it, do it right now. And so I had to really wrestle with that, that mindset that, you know, Church ministry was, you know, real ministry, and ministry outside the church walls was, you know, not real ministry, you know. And obviously that's it's, – it's obviously not true. It's not biblical, but I believe every person has a ministry role to play in God's kingdom. And, and whatever tools God gives us to work with, we just want to make an impact for his kingdom. And
2: so I try to do that every day. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So at some point you had to say to the Lord, okay, I give in. I will be a millionaire. Yeah, I mean,
1: for me. Alright, you got me. Yeah, I mean, if someone has to do it, like, I would, you know, obviously the business. Okay, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll do, do it. it. But, um, <laughs> you know, for me, you know, the, the money side of things is, is just an opportunity to, um, You know, it's just really a scorecard for me. I've I've always been a competitive person and when I'm looking at, you know, how much money we make or or the success it's really for me it's just it's just a scorecard. I just wanna I Mm. just wanna make more of an impact and it's to me it's it's about the the number of businesses that we can help. Um it's about the number of staff that I can provide opportunities for. Yeah,
2: yeah, let's talk about that. This is international now. So you are helping families in the Philippines through your business
1: yeah so um you know part of what we do is um, you know to keep our service kind of cost effective you know so we can provide a better service for you know the businesses around. We sell the uh, our websites in sort of sixteen countries at the moment, so it is definitely sort of like a global kind of um service that we offer. And um yeah, I started outsourcing and hiring staff in the Philippines, and it started by hiring a, a a um an assistant online who was just helping me like filter my email inbox and you know yeah. helping me send out invoices and helping me you know manage my calendar, basically like a PA, um but just through the internet. And so I did that yeah. first, and then. Um it just grew from there. I, I have met some great people over in the Philippines and my team over there are just some of my best friends in the world and they're just incredibly passionate, you know, people and just lovely people and so I ended up starting a company in the Philippines. So I actually um own Part of a company over there. So I started a company with some of my staff and then, mm. um, we rent our own office space. Um, we run an internship program. So we, we uh, run an internship program for kids coming out of university to help them to get jobs. And then, um, some of those guys that are good, we actually hire. So we have, we have around 25 staff now in the Philippines. And then we have some, obviously some staff in Australia. And, um, we also have some sort of other, um, contractors in different parts of the world that we, um, that are a part of our company.
2: But they all know you're a Christian.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty um, open. Uh, anyone really who knows me knows that I'm a Christian. I'm pretty open about, you know, what I believe. And um, yeah. and I try to make that shine through, you know, everything that I do. Um, and so, yep. uh, but most of my staff are Christian too. Like most people that I meet in the Philippines have some sort of faith in God. And mm-hmm. so, I have some, you know, great conversations with them. Some of them are in different denominations too. So, I get to sort of ask them about, you know, the things that they believe and, you yeah. know, and have some good conversation around that as well.
2: Let's kind of look back over this amazing transformation that's happened. What are some of the lessons that we can learn from the young life? You're only 28 years old. Is that right? Yeah, 28. Yeah. What lessons can we learn from the young life of <laughs> Cody Thompson?
1: Man, I mean, there's, look, I, I mean, it's very humbling, honestly, to even be asked a question like that. And um, to me, I just feel like, um, you know, in terms of business lessons, for me, it's really just, it's all about, you know, the way that we treat people, putting myself in my customer's shoes and trying to create the best service that I can for them and trying to look after every client that we have. And then I've found in my life that often we let fear kind of, you know, stop us from doing things, even though... The thing that we're afraid of is just in our own mind, you know, so even the move Mm. that we made to the Gold Coast, like we could have been afraid of, you know, what if this happens or what if this doesn't work out? But quite often the things that we're afraid of and the things that hold us back are just, you know, are not even real. They're just stuff that we tell ourselves. And in business, for me, that's been a huge part of, I I believe, you know, how God's been able to bless the business is because I've been willing to do things differently. Like even in the web development industry, everybody sells websites the same way. Everyone sells websites for an upfront cost, you know, five yep. to 10 grand for a website. And then they'll try to sell you onto a maintenance package of, you know, whatever, $100 a month. And then they'll charge you 120 bucks an hour if you don't join up to that anytime you need help. And everyone just does things the same way, you know, but for me, I've always wanted to do things differently. And, and so that was a big thing for us. We switched our model and we sell websites for under a thousand dollars. And, and then, um, we have a subscription model for our business. So, you know, small businesses can get a website for, you know, much more cost effective um, and they just you know they get all of the ongoing support they don't have to worry about you know don't have to worry about backing up the website or maintaining it and things like that so i've always tried to make decisions not based off of what everybody else is doing uh, and not be afraid to take risks but try to do what i think is going to work the best for the customers or you know what i feel like god's telling me to do in my faith journey
2: wow exciting things happening to you we're finding out your story but in reality this is just the beginning of the cody thompson story yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope there's a lot more to come. So, Look forward to hearing the exciting things that will happen next. Well, watch this space <laughs> as we continue to follow Cody Thompson's life. Thank you so much for sharing this much of your life. No worries. Thanks so much for having me on, Eric. I really appreciate it. Our guest today has been Cody Thompson. He's the founder of Lightning Sites. And you can find out more information about his
0: web design business at lightningsites.com.